Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Has anyone, let me see by a show of hands, has anyone heard the expression, I've got your, um, I've, uh, I've got your six? Has anyone heard that expression, I've got your six? Okay, some have? Okay, okay. Well, for those of you that haven't heard of it, even for those that you have, we're going to talk a little bit about having your six. And how I, uh, I have your six is basically a military term, more particularly with the Air Force. Okay, and if you extend, if you picture yourself being in an airplane, if you extend your arm out in front of you like that, that's 12 o'clock. Okay, so where would 3 o'clock be? Where would 3 o'clock be? If that's 12 o'clock in front of you, 3 o'clock would be, and, and where, would, where would 9 o'clock be? Okay, all right. So 12 o'clock's in front of you, and, and 9 is that way, and 3 is that way. So where would 6 o'clock be? would be behind you. So in the military, when they're saying, I've got your six, that means I've got your back. Okay? In the military, when they say, I've got your six, that means I've got your back. Well, the interesting thing is that in accordance with Scripture, we can also use that same expression pertaining to God. Because God has your six. God has your back. When you're in times of difficulty, God wants you to know that he is certainly there to watch, to watch your back and to keep you safe, and to guide you. This is spiritual truth that is grounded in Scripture, but the devil is on constant attack by feeding us lies so that we wind up doubting God's word. If we're saying to ourselves, God's got my back and God's got my six, well, the devil comes in and starts saying, well, is he really there? Is he really there? And, of course, you turn around and look for him, and you don't see anyone there, and so right away you start thinking, well, it's a figment of my my imagination. Does God really have my six? The devil tries to plant thoughts of worry and doubt and fear all the time in our minds. He prowls about seeking whom he can destroy. The devil prowls about looking to see who is the weak one. Who is the one that is weak in God's word? Who is the one that I can twist away from God's word? Who is the one that I can feed my lies to into their mind to make them doubt what God is saying is true? Who's the one that's available for me to make them believe that God does not have their six or that God does not have their back? He's prowling around looking to see who he can destroy. The enemy uses this approach to confuse our minds trying to get us to lose faith in God. When you start worrying, when you start doubting, when you start letting fear and anxiety rule your mind, it can be difficult to separate God's truth from the devil's lies. Okay, and we know that going right back to the Garden of Eden. What did the devil say to Eve? You, you know, did God really say if you eat that fruit, you shall die? God just doesn't want you to be like him, to be as knowledgeable as him. So then again, there's the lie. Eve had to make a choice. Does she believe what God said or does she believe what, what the devil said? And the same thing happens to you if you let worry and doubt and fear enter into your mind. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life does not matter what is going on in your life. I don't care how difficult it may seem, how not so difficult it may seem. God has your back. God always will have your back and he will always be there to help you. But you've got to realize that and you have to remind yourself that God has my back. God has my six. During difficult or challenging times, it's easy for us to get that God has your back. It's easy for us to even believe that he's anywhere near us when there's difficult times going on, okay? How many times when there's something really troubling in your life have you actually stopped to say to yourself, wait a minute, God has my back, or God is here, or God can bring this through me, bring me through it. 
But instead we hear and we dwell on what lies the devil is telling us to pull us away from God's truth. You see? So we have to always remember that God is there. It is quite normal to go to people that are close to us. It's quite normal to go to relatives, to friends, or anyone else that you feel is close to you during these difficult times when things are not going so well. It's normal for us to go to people that we know, human beings, to get support or to seek advice or whatever it may be. Having people that are close to you is important. It's very important having people that are close to you uh, from which you can seek counsel. But the most important thing is that God should be the one that you go to first. God should be the one you go to first. See, now there's an important reason for doing that, because if you go to God first, when there's something really difficult or troubling going on in your life, if you go to God first and let him minister to you and let him talk to you, the interesting thing is that if you go to someone else, a human being, to seek some advice, and I say this, this, this human being hopefully is a godly person, you're not going to someone that doesn't even know the Lord for advice or, from, or for some kind of support, that if you go to that person, that godly person, for some support or some advice, that person will nine out of ten times tell you what God has told you to do. They'll confirm it, you see. But conversely, many times we run to the human being first for advice, okay, and that, may, that person may tell us things that is not intended for us to do, is not what God would want you to do, okay? So it's important to have people around us that we can talk to, but it's mostly important that we go to God first, no matter what we say or do, especially during difficult times. Let's see what the Word of God has to say about this subject matter, about God being there. Let's go to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, we have to always see what the Word of God has to say about this. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, and we'll just go to verse number 16. 32, verse 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Our Lord God, behold, our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Okay? Our Lord God, behold, there has nothing, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. So please underline your Bible there. There is nothing too hard for thee. Okay? Okay. So in the first place, in thinking about God having your six or God having your back, knowing that there is nothing too hard for God, okay, you certainly don't want someone telling you, I've got your back if that person is not strong enough to protect you or that person is not strong enough to, to undo something that might be coming up behind you. Amen? So recognizing right away that, first of all, there is nothing too hard for thee. Nothing too hard for God. So if something is going on in your life and something that you're praying for, something that you're hoping for, some sickness, an infirmity, whatever might be going on in your life, first of all, realize that there's nothing too hard for God. While your particular situation at that particular moment, at that point in time, whatever it is you're praying for and hoping for, you don't see a way that it's going to work out. You don't see how it's even possible that this thing may come to pass. It's not too hard for God, okay, because God has your back. 
So therefore, you're not in an, in an impossible situation. Granted, at that particular time that you're going through whatever you're going through, it does seem to be impossible. You know, you sit down, you, you put a piece of paper in front of you, or you get on your computer, and you, if it's something involving money, you, you run the numbers, and you just don't see it's, how it's going to happen. Something dealing with your job, you know, certain positions are here, there, or whatever, and you don't see how it's going to happen. But with God, nothing is too hard for him, Okay. So the first thing you remember, wait a minute now, if God has my back, then that means that he's there to watch over me. He's there to protect me. You know, you know, if, if you if you ever had a bully in school and if you're forced enough to have a, a big brother or something like that, you could always think about going and get your big brother to help you out. OK, my big brother has has my back. You may have had a close friend that was very, very close to you. And that person was very protective. And if things went wrong, you could rely on that friend. Well, guess what? God is more more powerful than any human being that's on this planet. So whatever you're going through, God has your back and that there is nothing too hard for him to do. Amen. Amen. No matter what type of support you need, God, the creator of the universe, is omnipotent, which means that he's all powerful and there's nothing too hard for him. When it comes to keeping your back, people can never outdo the awesome power of God. If you rely on God, you will always have the advantage. Okay, you may go to some human being who may say, I have your back and I can do certain things for you for you. And that's true. People can do certain things for you, but they certainly cannot get you out of impossible situations. They cannot make things happen uh, that 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 uh, that future knowledge would require them to do. But God does. So therefore, God prepares a way because he knows what's coming down the pike in your life. He knows where he wants you to be. God has a plan for your life. So when something seems impossible for you, the best thing to do then is to rely on the one that has control over your life. And no human being has real control over your life. Okay. Well, my boss or the committee, you know, or this or that, they have control over my life. No, they don't. No, they don't. They cannot make any decisions against you that God doesn't want to happen. Even if it's something that at the present time that a decision is made, even if it appears to be to you not to be a pleasing or decision that you would like to see, God is permitting that decision to be made because God knows what it is he wants for your life. So God is working out that plan. See, the trouble with us human beings is that we don't know what next week is going to bring. We don't know what, what tomorrow's going to bring. Okay, but God does. So when we're praying for things and wanting things to happen in our lives, if they don't happen exactly the way we um, expect them to happen, then right away we get bent out of shape and we get nervous and start worrying and so on. Okay? But if you remember that God has your back, that means that he's there to protect you and he knows what's in front of you. Okay? So while a human being may give you good, some good advice, okay, may give you some good advice, the one to you, for you to approach and to listen to is God. Because God knows everything, okay? And he's the one that is really in control, in, in control of your life. And as you surrender to him, because of the fact that he has your back, he'll fight for you, okay? You don't have to worry about what's going to happen in your life tomorrow or next week because you know that God is there. God's got your back. And whatever is coming down the pike, God's going to fight for you, you know? I don't know how many of you play chess, but if you look at a chessboard and you've got the moves that you're laying out and everything, you know, you can see if you're backing up your pieces right and everything, you've got your pieces that are there supporting your queen, protecting your king. Amen. So, so you have, you've orchestrated or, or manipulated the chessboard to protect your queen and your king. All right, so that you don't wind up in checkmate. All right, well, God, God is, the, is the ultimate chess player. The ultimate chess player. And that's kind of crude to say because that, that almost implies that we're in a game of chess. But when you stop and think about it, though, we are in a war. 
We're in a war, you know, and a chess game is like a, a game of war. So we're in war, and, and, and you know who the enemy is. The enemy is the devil himself. And what is it that he would love to do? He would love to undo us. He would love to bring us to, to sheer panic. He would love to make us uh, lose faith in God and just become a, a crumbling mess, you know, in front of everything that's going on in our lives. But we, we remember that God is the master. He's the master planner, and he has your back. He has your back. He's the master planner. You've heard me say many times before that our minds are a battlefield. We talk about a chessboard and a battle and so forth. Our minds are a battlefield. This battlefield is where good thoughts and bad thoughts are constantly fighting for your attention and actions. That's where the battle is playing out. Okay? Okay? You know, thank God we don't have to, to, to be, well, I don't know, I don't know if I, if I should even say that. It would be better if we were in a physical battle, you know, because in a physical battle you can see the enemy. You can see him coming at you. You can hide behind a table or a door or a building or whatever it needs to be. But with the devil, you don't see him coming, okay, because the battle is playing out in your mind. And you are not even always aware of the fact that he's there because he's there messing around in your mind and giving you thoughts that you think are your thoughts, but that he's giving you thoughts to make you doubt what God is saying. God is saying, I have your back and I'm going to do this to him. I'm going to give you that promotion. You'll have the money to pay for this. You'll be able to overcome this opposition. You'll do this and you'll do this. In the meantime, the devil's in there saying, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You call yourself a child of God. Remember what you did last week? Remember what you said last night? Remember what you didn't do? You're going to fail. God doesn't love you. And the devil is sowing every single seed of doubt in your mind, which is counter to the word of God. But that's how he works. You see, you see. So he gets into your mind because that's where the battle really is. So what do we have to do? We have to remember that God has our back and right away revert back to the truth. You see, what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to believe the lie. The word of God says that the devil is the father of lies and how quickly and how easily he lies. So if he can get you to lie, he can lie to you and get you to believe that you are not who you, who God said you are, his child. If he can get you to believe that God will not intercede and step in and work on your behalf, then he's the one that's winning the battle. But it's all right there in the mind. So we have to choose and we have to remember that God indeed has my back and he's there for me. And you are the only one. You are the only one that can sort through which thoughts you're going to dwell on. And which thoughts you're going to act on. You're the only one. Okay? Someone can give you all of the advice in the world. You can sit down and listen to a human being give you some good advice and whatnot. And you have these thoughts bouncing around in your head. And only you can choose which thoughts you're going to dwell on. All right? Are you going to dwell on the negativity? Are you going to dwell on what the devil is trying to plant in your mind? Are you going to doubt on the, are, are you going to dwell on the, the insecurity? You know, the feelings that things are not going to work out, the things that the, the, the thought that things are not going to come to pass. Are you going to dwell on that? Are you go, or are you going to dwell on the fact that God said, I'm here for you, that God said that I know what I have intended for you. The word of God says in the word in the scripture, I know what I have intended for you. I know the thoughts that I have for you and they're nothing but good thoughts. That's what the scriptures say that God says about you. So you're going to dwell on that knowing that God has nothing but good thoughts for me, that God has my intended place to be one of blessings, that God is going to bring me to a place of blessings regardless of what I see in front of me. Or are you going to believe the other thought that's happening on the battlefield? Thoughts of failure, thoughts of fear, thoughts of doubt. Thoughts of worry. This will never come to pass. See? You see? And then the battlefield has a way of playing itself out in a long, protracted manner. 
Because not only does that battlefield extend to today and to tomorrow, but it extends into next week, it extends into next month, into next year. Now, if this doesn't come to pass that I'm praying for, if this thing doesn't come to pass, if I don't get this job, if that person that's troubling me is not removed out of the way, if I don't have this money, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, then that means next month I'm not going to be able to do so-and-so. Next year I'm not going to be able to do so-and-so. And oh my gosh, that means that my game plan for my life, all my goals are going to be all shot because I'm not going to be able to achieve because of this, that, and the other. You see, 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 so we extend that battlefield not only plays into tomorrow or to Friday, but it extends into three months, six months, a year, and further down the line, especially if you have goals in your life and plans that you'd like to see roll out in your life, you see. So, but it's up to you. Only you can do that, okay? You can talk to human beings. Someone can advise you. Someone can give you some good thoughts and so on, but the bottom line is in that, in that, that battlefield that's going on in your mind, which, which thoughts are you going to entertain, and more importantly, which ones are you going to dwell on, okay? Because, listen to this now, and get this in your, in your spirit. The thought that you dwell on, the thought that you dwell on, is what you wind up acting on. The thought that you dwell on is what you wind up acting on, Okay? That battlefield extends itself into, into reality, where it starts in the mind, and it's something that you can't see, touch, and feel. Those thoughts that you dwell on wind up manifesting themselves into the physical realm, into the physical world where you are, because that's where your action takes place. If you start dwelling on that negative thought that I'm not going to be able to get that job, I'm not going to be able to get that money, I'm not going to succeed at this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, and you're dwelling on that, then guess what? Your actions rewind, wind up being in, in that direction. You wind up, you stop praying about it, you just kind of give up hope. The person that you're talking to that maybe could help that God is going to use to implement whatever that good thing is that you're praying for, you wind up even speaking to that person in a negative way, which winds up shutting down any opportunity where God is working on this person to work in your behalf. Because whatever you dwell on, those negative things that you dwell on, that is, is where your actions take place. Okay? That's where your actions take place. You, you dwell on that. You see, you see, and you, you, you've got to make sure that you're hearing what God is telling you to do and that you're believing what the word of God says. OK, because anything that enters into your mind after you hear what God is telling you to be and you feel to do and you feel in your spirit that this is the right move. OK, and if it's really, really God that's talking to you, you're going to have that evil devil come in there and tell you something contrary. He's going to tell you something opposite to do that will get you away from the word of God. OK, and then once you start dwelling on that negativity. That's when you start going downhill, because dwelling on that thought, dwelling on that negative thought winds up um, 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 uh, impacting your actual actions, your, your actions. You can get so bound up and caught up in those negative thoughts that the person that God is using, as I said a minute ago, the person that God is using to bring this thing to pass in your, pass in your life, you're dwelling on that negative thought that when you talk to that person that is there to help you, what comes out of your mouth is totally counter to what that person was hoping to hear. And you don't even realize it because you wind up saying something totally stupid or whatever. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm, so forth. So, because inside you've already given up. You've already given up. So the thoughts that you dwell on, don't get caught up in that battlefield of the devil. Let him feed those negative thoughts so that it, those thoughts are the ones that take over your battlefield. This is why the Bible tells us to think on good things. Now, we've been to the scriptures before quite a lot, but let's go to Philippians. 
praise the living God. Philippians chapter 4. Yep, God has your back. And he's trying to tell us now because there's such feelings of hopelessness out there. I mean, I look at what's going on, how people are falling away from the church. And I I don't just mean any particular ministry, but falling away from the church, meaning the body of Christ. People are are losing interest in going to church. People are losing interest in, in, in talking to God. People are losing interest in worshiping God. People are losing interest in putting God first in their lives. And what what is the result? As a result, we see a country that is slipping further and further away from the concepts of God first, of God being involved. And this is the reason, and I'm not getting political here again, but this is the reason that the politicians are wrestling with what to do about everything. Can't even solve the homelessness problem. Okay, and the problem is, is that is that those in power and the country as a whole is slowly drifting away from God. Okay, and if they if they were more in line with God's word and listening to God's word, there would be solutions. But it's incredible to believe that they can't find a solution for the homeless problem because the scriptures are right there full of telling you to do, telling you what needs to be done. Very, very basic scriptures. I mean, it's one thing to have compassion for someone for someone that is out of work. But the word of God also says if you don't work, you don't eat. So that means that we should be encouraging people to get into find meaningful work. If we can get people more, more people working and, and be able to get reasonable housing and so forth, maybe that would be a way to get towards eliminating the problem. But the basic problem is that people, the body of Christ, is, 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 um, it's, it's grown anemic because people are willing now wanting to get God out of discussion, God out of the picture. Can't talk about Jesus Christ, can't preach certain things. Can't have the Ten Commandments here. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now I'm I'm I'm, I'm digressing for a moment, but 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 that that digression um, also points out the fact that because because of society drifting in a certain direction, we being in society, if we're not careful, we get caught up in that. So society, in not thinking to themselves that when I have a problem as a society, we should go to God first. We as a society don't go to God first. Okay, now, you've heard me say a million times also that we Christians, you know, are are, are citizens of two worlds. We live in a physical world where day-to-day, our day-to-day existence is, but we're we're also members of the spiritual world, which is where God is, because God says we are his adopted sons and daughters. Okay, so where do we spend most of our time, or where should we spend most of our time? We should spend as much time as possible in God's spiritual realm so that we can be rejuvenated by his spirit, communicating with God, but we still have to live in this physical world to get around. But if we're not careful, we wind up following what people in the physical world are doing, those people that are non-believers even, and we wind up thinking like them, and that can rub off on us if we're not careful. Okay? Okay, you've got an issue going on in the workplace or in the neighborhood or in school or wherever you might be. Most people's solution that are not, that are not Christians are something that is, that is what God would not have you to do. You see, and so therefore they will, will will bring you around to thinking more about what you can do to solve the problem or what another human being can do to solve the problem, rather than going to what does God say? What does God say? You see, you see. So we have to always remember um, uh, 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 um, where we are and where our thoughts are, because our thoughts are impacted by people that we are around. You, you, you can't help it. And especially the more of a place that you work in, the place that you work in that is is predominantly, uh, I don't want to say an ungodly place, but it's a place where, where, where people don't have good, healthy Christian beliefs, things of God, 
then the thoughts that permeate through that environment are things that are not of God. And if you're not careful, it rub, rubs off on you instead of being the other way around. We should be letting the light of Christ shine in us so that those people wind up thinking and doing as we do, not us doing as they do. Because those thoughts that they can implant, you know, you, you hear me talk about all the time. You greet, greet someone on a Monday morning. How are you today? Good morning to you. What's so good about it? You know, oh, it's Monday. Oh, what's so good about Monday? Blue Monday. Okay, that's not what a child of God would say. You see, but if you're not careful and you're hearing that every single day, the point being every single day, then you start thinking the same way. What's so good about Monday? What's so good? Well, you know what the Bible says. This is the day that you have made, Lord, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, so Monday is no different from any other day of the week. The point that I'm making here is we have to be careful where we're hearing things, what thoughts are being put onto that battlefield in our minds, and which thoughts we're dwelling on. So we've got to think on the right things. Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 5. Let your, let your moderation or, or, or gentleness, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, okay, not carrying cares. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, will pass, uh, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Underline, please. Think on these things. Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Underline the word do. Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Okay? All right. So it's saying that, first of all, don't carry cares for anything. Don't be worrying about things. Okay? And when you do start worrying about any particular thing, what you need to do is to say, in the name of Jesus, I cast that care upon you, Lord. Why? Because you care for me. So whatever that care is, you know, if you're worrying about our... um, uh, being being able <laughs> being able to get tickets to a favorite sport game, and you're worrying about that. I'm not going to care about this, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I cast that care that I'll be able to get those sport tickets uh, in time, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because I know that you care for me. You don't carry the burden of worrying about it, because again, what you worry about is what you wind up dwelling on. That's how you wind up acting. And then it says, "What the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." So, what does he say to think on when these negative thoughts come into your mind? Well, he gives you a whole list here. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. One of the things, things that I do is when I'm concerned about a situation or worrying about something coming to pass and I'm praying for it, I remember the good time where God delivered me. Okay, remember when David was going to fight around Goliath and they were saying to him, well, David, you're too small, you're too skinny, you're this and that, you won't be able to overcome the, the Goliath. And what did David do? David remembered. He remembered back. He says, I remember when God delivered me from the lion. I remember when God delivered me from the bear. And as he did then, surely I shall do with this, with this, with this Goliath. So when that thing is in your life that's troubling you, when that thing is in your life that you're worrying about, and you're praying to God about it. Remember, think on the good things. Think on the lovely things. Think about how God delivered you from something else. Now, there's no one in this room that is five years old 
So therefore, you're old enough to have had a difficult time in life where you prayed for God for something. Where there was something that was really, really mind-blowing, so to speak, and it was so out of your control. There was something that you prayed for, and what, it ha- what happened? God answered your prayer. God answered your prayer, okay? So remember that. Remember that, you know? Don't, don't forget that. Think on those things when you have that negative thought coming into mind. Because the devil is going to be telling you're going to fail, you're going to fail, okay? And he will make you speedily forget what God did for you, did for you before. Like I said, no one in this room is five years old, so therefore you've been around long enough to really have had some difficult, position, difficult positions or situations in your life arise where you felt totally, totally helpless. And what happened? God bailed you out, okay? And at the time, you were happy. At the time, you went to God and you thanked him and you praised him for bailing you out. But then we human beings, as time goes by, you know, those things kind of just fade in the darkness and fade and get dim, fade and get dim. Okay? Okay? I remember coming up, you know, I, I, I sowed my share of wild oats and everything, and God brought me through some challenging times. I think back on those times, you know, where I was really stupid and did some crazy things, you see. But you, you, you have to remember that. Think on the good things that God has done for you, okay? The devil, if he had his way, if he had his way, half of you wouldn't be sitting in this sanctuary today if he had his way. He would have tried to take you out many years ago, many years ago. But you're here for a reason, because God has his hand on you. God's not done with your life yet. God has a plan for you, okay? And he's just showing you bit by bit, bit by bit, what he can do. But you've got to remember, he's got your back, all right? And as such, this is why you're still here. This is why you're sitting here hearing this message today, because God has your back, and he's had your back. And we'll continue to do so. Do so. So again, so that battlefield in the mind, what do we do with it when the devil is trying to confuse, confuse us with these negative thoughts? We think on the good things. Think of those things that are pure. Think of those things that are just. Remember the time what God did for you. Okay? The key is to not let that battle persist in your mind where the negativity, where the devil is winning out. Okay? You've got to make sure that you're not letting it dwell around because that will drive your actions. And just, just on this subject, just to another couple of seconds. I've known so many people that after I hadn't seen them for a while, oh, how you been? How you been? So on and so on. Hadn't seen you in church. How you been? So on and so on. Well, so and so happened. And all I wanted to do is those Sundays, I just stayed in bed. I just pulled the covers over my head. I just stayed there and just laid. Wound up crying all of Sunday and so on. Yeah, that's what I did. Okay. That's exactly where that person lost the battle in their mind, okay? The thoughts that he or she was dwelling on was the negative side, and they dwelled on that thought. And as a result of them dwelling on that thought, it, it, it culminated in an action. And instead of that action being, well, I'm going to shake off this dust, I'm going to rebuke that devil, and I'm going to church, and I'm going to worship God and praise God during praise and worship time with the music, I'm going to sing my heart out, I'm going to listen for a good word, because I believe Holy Spirit's going to speak to me today through the minister, I'm going to church and worship God. They didn't act on that. They acted on the negative thought. You're going to lose. You're just a failure. So I'm just going to stay in bed and pull the covers over my head and have a pity party. You see? You see? So when someone says that your actions, your thoughts don't drive your actions, don't believe that for a moment because they do. They do. And it may be in such subtle ways that you don't even realize that you are reacting based on the negative thought. Okay? So you don't let it dwell there. Don't let it be. Remember, God has your back. So if I've got this negative thought, I believe that God is watching over me. So therefore, this negative thought is not going to come to pass because God has me. 
Okay, And if it even doesn't go the way that I want it to go, the way that I think it should go, the way that it's going to go is going to be better than what I was thinking for because God's got my back. God's got my back. Okay? You heard Brother Brandon last week talking about the things in his life that, that wound up changing and got things that were, were better than what he was praying for. Okay? The same thing has happened to me over the many years. And I'm telling you the same, same thing has happened to some of you because I know some of your lives. Okay? And so I'm just saying that God will continue to do that as long as you have faith in him. Don't let so-called minor setbacks, quote-unquote, make you get to the point that you're worrying and losing faith in God because God's got your back. And wherever he winds up taking you is better, better than where you even want it to be. Okay? Let's go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Praise the living God. God is good. Amen. God is good. Proverbs chapter 12. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Proverbs 12, verse 25. Okay, this is how that battlefield, those thoughts, forgetting the fact that God has your back. 12, Proverbs 12, verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. That kind of goes back to that person I told you where we're entertaining the negative thoughts and decided to just stay in bed, didn't even have the, the energy to get out of bed. Okay, you entertain those thoughts of negativity. It brings on a heaviness, and that heaviness in a way can actually make you kind of kind of bow down and just bend over and, and kind of be kind of like you're carrying this burden on your back. You know, many of us read that book and maybe saw the movie Pilgrim's Progress. And that guy had the knapsack on his back and all the worries that he had. He did, the knapsack got bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. Well, so it is with the thoughts, negative thoughts, if we entertain them in our minds. Okay, okay. It, 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 it simply, it's simply, it's very, very simple. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. So the good word is when you think about what the word of God really says and not what the devil is trying to make you believe. Let's go to 1 Peter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Verse number 6. 1 Peter 5, verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. For he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. All right. So don't put yourself in the place to be devoured by the devil because he's out there trying to destroy you. So cast all your cares, whatever burden, whatever worry that you have on your mind, give it to God because the word says casting all your care upon him because God cares for you. So if you go to God with, a, with an issue, something that you're worrying about, don't carry that burden because that burden's going to make you stoop over like we just said. It'll weigh on you. It'll, 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 it'll bog you down to the point where, and, and when you get bogged down like that, you can't, even, you can't even, even think positively if you let it go far enough. You'll be dwelling on what you should do and, when, and you're not thinking, thinking properly because you're not casting your care. 
So the devil's going to be putting all sorts of other thoughts on you, negative thoughts, and you just wind up getting more and more bowed over, bowed over, bowed over, bowed over to the point that you're not even thinking right. Okay, and then being bowed over like that, where then depression sets in, and then you're not able to to get up and go the way you should go. You, you, you know, you, you you wind up becoming depressed, and you wind up having headaches, and and everything else goes goes wrong. All you want to do is just stay in the house. And God, don't let it be a rainy day, right? Let it be a rainy day. People use the rainy day as such an excuse. Oh well, I'm not going out anyway. Things aren't going right. I just might as well just crawl back in bed, close the drapes, and crawl back in bed. No, 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 no. You get up and, and you fight. You get up and you fight. God says to cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Amen. And and also remember that when you pray, God listens. God listens. You know. Don't think that just because you don't see God in the room where you are. Don't think that he doesn't hear you. He hears you. God hears you when you pray to him. God hears your thoughts. God knows when you're wrestling with negative thoughts versus good thoughts of him. God knows. God is there. Okay? So don't think that you're in this thing all by yourself. And God knows that when you've got an issue going on, you can sometimes just feel you feel so lonely. You feel like there's no one there for you. You feel like there's no one there to hear you. No one there you can talk to. Okay? Okay? You, you ever have a feel like, dude, there's no one that I can turn to? Well, there is someone you can turn to. It's God, you see? See, but we human beings, we forget the fact that, or we start thinking because we don't see God, that God is not there. You've really got to change that mindset, that thinking, the thought process in your mind to really have you believe that God is there and he hears your prayers. Even though you don't see him, you can be comforted knowing that God always has your back and that he's waiting for you to call on him. Let's go to Philippians. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4. I'm sorry, we just came from there before. We we just came. Let's go to Jeremiah. Sorry, Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 33. And we're going to go to verse number 1. Okay, just waiting for you to call on him. Moreover, the word, verse number one, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Underline which thou knowest not. Verse 3 again, call unto me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So God wants you. God wants you to call on him because he can show you things that you don't even know about. He has your back and he'll keep his word. God wants you to call on him because he will show you things that you don't even know about. God will show you things in his... Now, God might not show you what's going to happen in your life 20 years from now. I mean, I mean, let me not be presumptuous here. God could certainly do that. He's sovereign. He could certainly show you as much time as he wants to about yourself. But God is saying here that he will call on you. He will show you things that you don't know about. Okay? You, you know, so when you've got that issue going on in your life, then you pray to God and you call out to him. Lord, what should I do? What should I do? And he will give you things to do and things to think of that you would never have thought of. 
oh, gee, was, I, didn't, I would have never thought of doing that, you know. I would have never thought of doing that. Or did God ever tell you to do something and you wind up following it, what God is telling you to do, and you wind up being in a much better place? All right? All right? This comes to mind. I remember one time uh, uh, my daughter was looking for a car. She and I were looking for a car. And uh, the car that we, we spotted online or in the newspaper, whatever it was, we went down to the place together. Had a rather odd salesman with us. But anyway, that's, that's another story. But we wound up going there, and when we saw the car that was advertised, oh, my God, it was a wreck. It was raggedy inside. You should have seen anything. It was uh, holes in the upholstery and everything. It was horrible. It was horrible. Okay? But the next thing you know, and I, I don't remember all of the details exactly, but I do recall that we wound up talking to the manager of the dealership, and the manager of the dealership will say, wait a minute, there's another car that's out there. It was a Ford Taurus. It was beautiful and excellent condition. You know, and the price that we wound up gotten it, getting it for was much less that was on the window sticker. And the manager of the place said, no, we're going to give it to you for that price. Much nicer car. And that car wound up seeing it all through college and everything like that. And it just lasted all, a nice Ford Taurus, right? She called her Tori. And that car stayed with her for many years until she decided to finally move on, you see? So the point I'm making here is that we followed what God told us. That we went to this place thinking one thing, and it wound up bombing out on us. But then, but God had another plan. God wanted us to get to that dealership because God had another plan in mind. That was the whole thing. And what God wound up doing was blessing us with a car that was far better than what we had anticipated looking for, you see. And God does those things. I often, often remember that, you know. And I say to you, honey, that when things start really going, you think back to the way God blessed you then. Because no matter what is before you, God knows what plan he has for you. You just have to follow him. God's got your back. He's got your back always. Amen. Amen. So we see that in 1 to 3 again, it says there, uh, uh, verse number 2, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. God also had Israel back, and he, he has yours. Let's just go really quickly here back to Exodus. Because the same way he had, he had Israel's back, God does the same thing for us. Exodus 14. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 14. Verse number 19. Okay, now we, we, know, we know the back story here. This is where our, um, uh, Israel was, uh, had left Egypt and God was leading them through the wilderness and so on like that. And how God watched over and cared for them. And we see in Exodus 14, verse number 19, and this is when they were in the, in the wilderness there. And the angel of the Lord uh, went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. Okay, angel of the of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from uh, before their face and, and stood behind them. Okay, underlined behind them in both both cases there. Okay, verse 19, the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and there was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to those, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Okay? So this is when you see there God had their backs and protected them from Pharaoh. 
the Egyptian army was chasing them down. You see, so it says distinctly there that God, and if remember there was the pillar of, of, of cloud and there was the fire, it went behind them to keep them separated from the enemy. So the same way God does that to us. He keeps his angels encamped round about us. God himself stands between us and Satan. God has your back. He'll keep you safe from the devil sneaking up on you and trying to just overtake what you're trying to do. He literally has your back in everything that's going on in your life. Okay? He, he guided Israel and he stood there and at the right time he moved behind them to keep uh, the stand between Pharaoh and them. We see going to Romans chapter 8. Praise the living God. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28, uh, verse number 28. Verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did know, foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Brethren, moreover, whom he did, uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and to whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Please underline all of verse number 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So if God has your back and if he's for you, then there's no one that can be against you. There's not a person on this earth. There's not a being in this universe. If there are other beings in this universe besides spiritual beings, if they, no one can, no one is greater than God. So if God is on your side, then who can be against you? There's no one there. You see, you see. So remember that God has your back because God is for you. But you have to believe that that God is so great that if he's in charge of your life and if he's if he's working for you, that there's no one else that can stand. That, that, that means your boss. That means a neighbor. That means someone in school, in the community. There's no one else that can be be greater than God. So if God has you, then he has your back and you don't have to worry about that. We see in Joshua 1, 9, it says that have I not commanded you to be strong and to be cor- uh, courageous do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1.9. So God is saying that I will be with you wherever you go. Okay, that means to school, that means to the, to the, to the supermarket, that means to, to your job, that means around the neighborhood, wherever you are, that God is with you. You see, but so many times we as human beings forget because of the fact that we don't physically see God all of the time, we forget that he is there. You see, you see? but then again, that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. Because if God is saying that I will be with you wherever you go, the bottom line is, do you believe that? See, and that's where faith comes in. You see, because if you don't have faith, it's very hard for you to believe anything that I've said up here all today. Amen. So it depends on your faith. If you've got faith and if you know that, you know that, you know, even though I cannot see God, I know that God is here. I know God has my back. I know that where I have to go into, I don't have to worry about it because God is going to take me through that. If you really, 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 really believe that, okay, then you'll have no problem in in understanding that God has your back and that there's nothing for you to be worrying about. Isaiah 58. Uh, We go there real quickly. Isaiah 58. As we start winding down, yeah, Isaiah 58.
Okay, now, actually, this is, uh, this whole chapter is um, is is talking about fasting, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter right now. But it talks about about doing the fast and and what is the uh, purpose and what is the result and so forth. But if you go to starting with verse number eight. Okay, then well, let's, let's go to seven. Uh, it's talking about the fast. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. Before the uh, righteousness shall go, go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward. Okay, rear reward. Now that rear reward is actually is an old English word, which actually means translates into rear God. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear God. Thou shalt then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. You read that again. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light uh, rise in obscurity, and the darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail, fail not. Okay? So he's saying there that I shall be your real God. I shall have your back. And he's saying there that the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy your soul in drought. Now, a drought for us being that we don't live in a, in a, in a uh, uh, arid region, you know, where the likelihood of us actually experiencing experiencing a drought physically there's water and so forth but you can have a drought in your life because a drought a drought is is symbolic of uh of dryness and you can have dry spots in your life you can have dry spots in your career you can have dry spots in your family life you can have dry spots in anything that is really um not bringing forth fruit where you, where you, where, where you're not experiencing joy it can be a dry spot so dry spots are those down times. It's that wilderness time in your life that all of us go through from time to time. And those dry spots can come and go. Don't think that just because you got out of one dry spot, that's the last dry spot you'll ever experience. It's called life. Jesus said you will have tribulation. So when those tribulations or those dry spots come into our lives, remember what God said, that I am your real God. I have your back and that he will bring you, bring you through. What did it say there? It said you shall be like a, um, and make thy, uh, make thy bones fat and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. So God can bring waters into that dry spot that's in your life if you remember the fact that he has your real God. He has your back. He has your back. Isaiah 52 says, but you will not leave in haste, talking to Israel, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel would be your rear. Matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go there. Isaiah. Isaiah 52. Just a short stop away. 52. Verse 12, Isaiah 52, verse number 12. For you shall not go out with haste, nor by flight. For the Lord will go before you, 
and the God of uh, the God of Israel will be your real reward, your real God. Okay. Okay. So here, here, this is being spoken of in Isaiah. It will be your real God. Again, God has your back. God has your back. We're going to do just two more scriptures, then we're going to close here. John 14. Praise the living God, because I could go on and on and on with the importance of knowing that God has your back, that he's there for you. John 14. John 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Okay? I will come to you. Okay, so this is uh, him talking about the Holy Spirit, of course, and he's saying that I will pray the Father in verse 16 and send you a comforter and he will abide with you forever. For the spirit of truth whom the world cannot know. People who who are non-Christians cannot know Holy Spirit. A person that is not that is in the world cannot know Holy Spirit. Therefore, they don't have him has him have him as a uh, uh, in the Greek. It was parakletos, a paraclete, which is an advisor. Okay, like a lawyer almost. Okay, he's your comforter. And what does it say? Where is he? Because he, uh, because the world doesn't see him, neither does the world know him, but you know him, meaning that you're a child of God. Now these words are written in red, so this is Jesus doing the speaking, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Alright? So the Holy Spirit dwells with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Okay? So God is saying with all of that, God has your back because he's given you part of himself. He's given you his Holy Spirit. So why do we let that battlefield go on in our minds where we're starting to believe the things that the devil would tell us to do? Why do we dwell on those negative evil thoughts rather than dwelling on the good things that God has told us? God has our back. We have his Holy Spirit. We have his Holy Spirit. And then the last scripture here is we go to Luke. Luke. Luke 18. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Luke 18, and simply verse 27. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, and he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So if you don't have that underlined, please underline it. The things which are possible with men are possible with God. Amen? So in closing, know that God has your back. And nothing that you're up against, nothing that's going on, going on in your life is too hard for God to deal with you, to, to, to deal with for you. And if God has your back, that means he's watching over you. That means like he's your big brother. He's your daddy. He's, he's, he's the one that is overseeing your life. He's the one that knows what is going on. So no matter how challenging things are, for what period of time they may be challenging, God has your back. And just because something doesn't happen the next day or within the next hour doesn't mean that God isn't watching over you, that God isn't working and orchestrating something. Okay? Because when those things do come, and we've all had that experience, the surprise that it hits you with, oh, wow, this happened. 
Gee whiz, I was hoping for this, but this is what happened. Gee whiz, God did really bring me through. But the, the critical thing for you to remember is that that battlefield that rages in your mind, okay, is because the enemy would love to see you totally uh, lose faith in God, would love to see you give up on God. Actually, that's what he would really like to see you do. The enemy would love to see you just turn your back on God and just blaspheme him and give him up and denounce Jesus and everything else if he could get you to that point. Now, I personally, I don't see how that could happen to any Christian once you've, once you've come to know the Lord and once you've experienced the goodness and how much he loves you and what he's done for you in your life. I don't see how any Christian can get there. But the word of God says that even the, even the very elect may be deceived. That means that the people that are the so-called elect, the people that are supposedly the strongest in Christ, may wind up becoming deceived and fall away from the church. The Bible prophesies that, so we know that can happen. But I just pray that all of us that's within the sound of my voice, physically here and by way of this podcast, will know that God has their back and that there's nothing that can come in your life that God doesn't know about. There's nothing that can come in your life that God doesn't care for you so much about that he will bring you through it. Amen? Amen. So just, just remember that God has your back. Praise God. And with that, let us close. But before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings. Praise God.